Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Come see the Boutique on Central in downtown Laurel for the best deals in women's fine clothing. Let us complete your one-of-a-kind look at the Boutique on Central at 531 Central Avenue in downtown Laurel. Howdy, howdy, it's Rhino here, and I wanted to say thank you for listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. Get ready, get ready to go beyond the headlines and join a meaningful conversation with people from around the state. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert here on Super Talk Mississippi. everyone and welcome to midday super talk mississippi i'm your host gerard gibbert and i'm at mississippi blood services today rhino safe and sound back in the super talk studios we have relocated the element well studios out here to flowwood mississippi mississippi blood services uh, will be guiding you through the middle of your day with facts fodder and fine music on this hump day all right, give us a weather update here, Rhino. It looks like we got some severe stuff scheduled to move through the area later on this afternoon, this evening. Yeah, it looks like it's going to be soggy for the majority of the Magnolia State today. And uh, although they are saying tornadoes are possible, especially for central Mississippi, north and south of I-20 there, it looks like the the biggest risk is going to be wind, like severe yeah. winds up to 70, 80 miles an hour, and hail, which could be tennis ball size. Jeez, tennis ball size. Well, I just experienced the pea-sized hail at my house Saturday when the severe weather moved through the Madison area. I'm trying to wrap my head around what tennis ball size hail looks like. That'd do some damage. We'd have lots of roofs in tough shape if that should move through the area right roofs I mean, that's windshields bad. any kind of shrubbery you might have in your landscaping outdoor oh, pets like there's there's a lot of dangers that come with large hail oh man so we don't want that that is for sure i've seen that uh the governor and mima have both uh, issued statements alerting us to this possible bad weather moving through the area and advising us to be safe and be weather aware and be conscious of what's going on there. So on the program today, we've got, of course, Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist at Mississippi Blood Services, will join us in the final segment of the three hours of the show. And then at 12.05... Mississippi Secretary of State Michael Watson calls in to the show to give us his thoughts on, of course, the upcoming August primary, the voter registration uh, rules about all that, of course. And then we'll get his thoughts on the recent Supreme Court opinion on voting rights. Of course, we just had Ole Miss Professor Christopher Green on the program earlier this week giving us a rundown of that. That's kind of a complicated case that uh, could, in fact, play into the 
24 elections in the House of Representatives in particular. Some political analysts believe that Republicans could see a flip of five seats they currently hold go to Democrats in the various states that might have to redraw their congressional districts as a result of uh, this Supreme Court decision. So that should be very interesting to track, and we'll keep you up to date on that best we can. In the meantime, of course, we got the indictment of Donald Trump. That is uh, pretty much consuming the news cycle in the country. The, uh, the former president signed off on the indictment yesterday. It uh, is being reported that he pled not guilty, that uh, the statement of uh, the actual statement in court made to take that plea was done by one of his attorneys, that he was rather subdued in the courtroom, had a lot of sort of private whisper-type conversations with his attorneys, flanked by his attorneys, but really didn't say a whole lot. And, of course, he then uh, exited the courtroom. He, he went to a, um, I can't remember the name of it, a very famous Cuban restaurant not too far from the court. In fact, I think it's the most famous in the country there in Miami. And he was greeted by a number of Trump supporters. And he, of course, uh, went on to denounce the ordeal as a travesty and uh, maintains his innocence of court of course and then he went back home and had a big uh, big event a big fundraiser in New Jersey I believe and raised a bunch of money on the whole deal so I, I don't know what honestly the Democrats intent is other than to see him be convicted and uh, put in jail that's what they ultimately want to see and there are 37 counts of this indictment 37 and my understanding is rhino that should he be convicted on any one of those counts he could be sentenced to jail to prison either for a term of 10 or 20 years but a minimum of 10 years depending on the charge that he would be convicted of. Is that the way you see it as well, Rhino? Is that your understanding of it? Yeah, some of the charges, from my understanding, I'm not a lawyer, some of the charges carry a 10-year minimum, and I think one or two of them have a 20-year recommended sentence. Right. but That's where they're getting the 10, 10, 20 from. Okay, so minimum of 10, and the former president, Donald J. Trump, is 76 years of age. So that would send him into prison for, uh, depending on when the conviction should occur and some believe that may not happen till after the 2024 election that they could drag this thing on which i think is what the intent is to just put stress on him and make it difficult for him to uh, conduct a campaign considering courts usually do business at the speed of smell yeah it very well could happen right uh so he's not only got of course that legal issue to contend with but there's a couple of others in his future as well. Uh, of course, he's got the indictment that occurred in uh, New York, in the state of New York, that uh, re- really still hasn't been tried. I mean, nothing's been done from a legal perspective, as you said. That's kind of crawling out there at a snail's pace. And then, of course, he's got this other situation that he's facing in uh, Georgia. 
where he's being accused of election interference and meddling in the presidential election in 2020. And I don't think that's scheduled to um, start to take shape from a legal perspective until like September. So he's just got like a string of these legal issues that he's facing. And to a great extent, you'd have to say that this is all part of the Democrat plan to sort of render him ineffective and unable to conduct a campaign. And uh, the former president rightly, accurately points out regularly that this is all uh, being done at the at the behest of uh, and the orders of his his campaign opponent, his presidential opponent in a general election, Joe Biden. It is unprecedented from that perspective. It is disturbing from that perspective that a sitting president would weaponize. Uh, the justice systems in this country against their most formidable opponent and opponent and as donald trump points out yeah the person who's beating him by a lot you know he says that on a regular basis and i'm beating him by a lot so we'll see where all this goes in the meantime there, there seem to be some legs getting under this whole barisma thing i i guess what i don't understand is if if this so-called whistleblower executive at the uh, at the company Barisma maintains that he has tapes of conversations with Hunter and Joe Biden concerning a bribery scheme, a pay-to-play sort of deal. Why don't we hear those now? And, and what the American people deserve to hear that now, in my view. That if, if such information does exist, if such tapes do exist, that is perhaps the most egregious crime ever committed uh, by someone at that high a level of office in this country. In this case, the vice president and a member of his direct family, a direct member of his family. That is ridiculous. And if that's the case, the American people need to hear the tapes now. Now, perhaps there's some legal strategy associated with when those tapes should be released i do applaud representative james comer from kentucky chair of the oversight committee i think he has handled the case in this this investigation competently but i think i'd like to see more if this is if if this is true and in tapes tape recorded conversations exist that uh, include the president, his son, and this high-level executive at Burisma, where they're talking about a payment of $5 million for assistance in getting Ukraine officials off their backs. We need to know about that. That is an egregious violation of trust of the American people and puts the country at tremendous risk from a national perspective, national security perspective. But it's time for a break here on Middays. Uh, we are at Mississippi Blood Services today, the Element Well Studios, relocated to Flowood, Mississippi. We're coming right back. Stay with us. Gerard Gibbert. He keeps his classified documents right where they belong. Inside a Journey record jacket from the 1980s, Gerard Gibbert, Super Talk, Mississippi. 
back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi, just out on Lakeland Drive. Come on by and give some blood. Desperately needed, as always. And you'll be saving a life when you do. So come on by Mississippi Blood Services and come see us. You can't miss us. Gary and I are right here in the front when you go through the double doors, the foyer. We're right there to your left as you check in. So, uh, yeah, just a a bit of a, a recap of the situation with uh, with Trump yesterday. You know, something that that really fascinates me, Rhino, I guess is a way to put it, is how the different sides see this whole issue. So, of course, the Trump, I mean, Donald Trump himself and Trump supporters, the Trump base, believe this is all politically motivated. Sure seems that way to me, that it is a witch hunt that the highest levels of the U.S. government have been weaponized for political gain. They see it as a travesty, believe that Trump is is, uh, totally innocent, and he's been saying that as well about his actions. But over there on the left, they see it totally different. But both sides say it's a sad day for America, but for completely different reasons. This is just another example of how polarized we are and how we really are in in two separate universes, it appears. CNN's Jake Tapper yesterday, you probably saw that, he was was live when the arraignment was occurring and he he offered just a, a blistering critique of the statement given by former President Trump when Trump said that this is a witch hunt, politically motivated, etc., and also a Trump spokesperson said the same thing, and and Tapper said that this is just a whole bunch of crazy. That's <laughs> what he said. It's just incredible how, how they can see things so differently. Well, you the can Trump- see the actual Trump derangement syndrome manifesting itself in Tapper when they continued to have live coverage of the day, and he's there at Versailles, the Cuban restaurant in Miami, and the people are happy to see him. And that made Jake Tapper look like he wanted to throw up in his mouth. So eventually he he had to tell people in the control room, I've seen enough of that. (laughs) Get him off there. I've seen enough. Unbelievable. So he wanted to essentially cut the coverage. He didn't want... Trump to get any, I guess, attention, any recognition, any coverage whatsoever. He couldn't deal with the fact that the guy goes down to the courthouse there in Miami and pleads not guilty and then immediately goes to this this uh, high-end Cuban restaurant, Versailles. You're right. And he was greeted by a lot of people that support him, that are, that are sympathetic, that believe that uh, as he does that this is a witch hunt that this is a travesty that this is political weaponization of the highest levels of government and it it drove tapper crazy the trump spokesperson alina haba said in recent years we have seen the rise of politically motivated prosecutors i agree that's what uh, alina haba miss haba told reporters gathered outside the miami courthouse Quote, the people in charge of this country do not love America. They hate Donald Trump. I think that's true. And Tapper said, okay, well, that's a lot of crazy. <laughs> and he went back to the um, 
the CNN panel, the distinguished CNN panel for discussion of the charges. (laughs) Exactly. So they were providing continuous coverage of the arraignment, and then he said, cut it. So the point I'm making is, how can we be in such separate universes the way we are these days? Because one side lives in reality and the other side lives in la-la land. I'll let you figure out which one's which. (laughs) Oh, gosh. So the Boston Globe called it a momentous scene. (laughs) Momentous scene in Miami as Trump pleads not guilty. He was booked, fingerprinted, and led into a courtroom on the 13th floor of the U.S. District Court where his lawyer entered a plea of not guilty on his behalf. (laughs) And they said, sitting among the spectators about 20 feet away was Jack Smith, the special counsel overseeing the investigation. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Trump, who spent much of the arraignment with his arms folded in a grim expression. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, gosh. It's just the drama, the way that they portray this thing uh, really is crazy. And it just seems like that they just see a different, live in a different universe, see things totally different. Oh, gosh. There were O.J. Simpson-like moments. (laughs) If America turned on the television, says the Boston Globe, Tuesday afternoon, the most they saw of Trump was his car moving slowly down the freeway. It was a bit reminiscent of the scene 30 years ago when O.J. Simpson's white Ford Bronco slowly traversed through Southern California. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's just crazy. They did say the process was peaceful and dignified, however. Now, the Wall Street Journal editorial board, uh, they published uh, quite an interesting opinion. I enjoy reading their opinions, and this was, this was last night at 6 o'clock our time. And they entitled it The Self-Destructive Donald Trump. Very interesting analysis. And they go, on, uh, they go on to say, talk about him pleading not guilty to the charges with an array of supporters and opponents. And they say it's depressing to think this could continue for another two years as the indictment and trial dominate the 2024 presidential campaign. They're actually calling on him to step out of the race. He ain't going to do it. He may be forced out somehow, some way, but I don't see him doing it. And he made that statement again yesterday. He vowed to stay in. And he said, I'm the only thing standing between you and them. It's not me they want. And Trump said this a lot, as you recall, uh, in both campaigns for president, both in 16 and 20. And there, I think there's a lot of truth to that. He said, it's not, it's not me they want. It's you. And I'm the only thing standing between them and you. And it, it does certainly feel like. The, the very people that, that uh, use the refrain fascist and fascism and like to declare that and exclaim that on a regular basis when they refer to those of us on the right or Donald Trump and things like, you know, wanting to prohibit explicit pornographic books in kindergartens. You're a fascist. You're wanting to ban books. 
It's stuff like that. Well, they're the very people who want to shove their orthodoxy down your throat. That's fascism. You must accept this, or you're a racist. You're a you're some phobic. Now they're going to label you with something. If no, it's a free enough country for you to quote unquote live your truth with a beard and an Adam's apple wearing a dress and makeup, then it's a free enough country for me to call you a freak. <laughs> That's true. Very true. Absolutely true. And I support both, by the way. I support their right to dress up and think they're whatever they want, like you said, with a beard and an Adam's apple pretending to be a female. And I support your right to call him a freak. And anything other than that is fascism, honestly. Wow. So the, the Journal editorial board goes into some great detail about the... Uh, the indictment document itself, they analyze the charges, and, and I think they do a pretty good objective job of that. And they go back to 2017 when he retained Did Trump, James Comey, as FBI director against advice in his inner circle because he thought he could control him, but then, of course, a few months later, he undercut his own Deputy Attorney General's explanation for firing, ultimately firing Comey by saying he fired him because he wouldn't publicly exonerate him. <laughs> and then that's what led to the Mueller special counsel uh, probe, of course. So, and, and then he did have the conversation with Zelensky, Ukrainian president, where he was looking for dirt on Joe Biden. So, yeah, to some extent, I think Trump's just his, his personality. He can be his own worst enemy but i do agree with his statement and his refrain this rather constant declaration that it's not me they want it's you and i'm the only thing standing between you and them not there's some truth to that there's absolutely some truth to that that i i do believe in wanting to force their way on you as we just discussed uh, for example with the the book banning they just find that to be uh, so unacceptable it's like they want to thrust this sort of inappropriate material on our children. Imagine that. We're stepping aside for a break once again at Mississippi Blood Services today. We also got Michael Watson coming up at 12.05. And, of course, Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist, joins us at the bottom of each of the three hours here. on The stories that matter most to Mississippians. Gerard Gibbert. Middays with Gerard. Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi live from Mississippi Blood Services. That would be Bruce Blackman, pop artist from Atlanta, the man behind Starbuck. And the song is, of course, Moonlight Feels Right. You say you came to Baltimore from Ole Miss, a class of 7-4 gold rang is what he says, the lyrics in the song. So on the ceasefire text line, uh, we were talking about the weather when we launched the show about half an hour or so ago. Curtis and McCool, you see that, Rhino? Oh, Some yeah. Hail, hail in hand there from uh, Other House in Fort Worth. 
Wow, that's serious looking stuff there. It's about as big as his palm. Looks like, what, two and a half, three inches in diameter or so? And then, who was it that sent us? Yeah, in the Clarksdale area on the 662, a photo that looks like a funnel cloud all the way down to the ground. You see that, Rhino? That looks like a tornado to me. Uh, coming out of the kind of. It looks kind of like a really hard downpour from what I remember seeing. I'm looking for it again. But, yeah, there is a severe thunderstorm warning in effect for uh, at least part of the Magnolia State up in the Delta. Okay. Well, it's so flat, you know, of course, in the Delta, and there's no trees to obstruct your view, and this is taken from a road. And just looking forward out the windshield, that looks pretty serious. Stay safe, folks, for sure. On the ceasefire text line, geological speed, referring to the speed of the legal process. Uh, it moves at geological speed. Josh in the Delta says, I feel like the Dems are dragging it out to keep him from being able to win the Republican nomination. I think it's just the opposite, Josh. I think they want him to be the Republican nominee, believing that we'll see a repeat of 2020, that he is very much defeatable uh, as a candidate on the Republican side. In fact, I caught a poll trying to think of, of uh, trying to see who actually issued or produced this poll. But it's, it's pretty fascinating. It was um, featured in Stephen Moore, who's been on the show before. He, of course, writes Unleash Prosperity is the name of his publication. And he had some information, I believe it was him, showing what the outcome could be. And it actually shows Biden defeating, defeating Trump and shows DeSantis coming in third place. And then uh, behind him is Kennedy, RFK. That's kind of interesting. But we'll see. I mean, those are just crazy polls at this point. Nobody knows. And take it for whatever it's worth, whatever that might be. But that's kind of the way all that's setting up. Also, I got to share this. So I do take a subscription to receive a subscription, receive information via a subscription, probably the best way to describe that, from uh, the U.S. Treasury. And the U.S. Treasury provides a monthly report of receipts, outlays, and whether or not we had a surplus or deficit on a month. On a monthly basis. So the most recent, of course, May 2023. And they also provide a graphic that depicts the receipts by source on the left side of the graph. And then on the right side of the graphic, outlays by function. Those are just the, the major spending areas. And this is what I thought was interesting. They show receipts into Social Security at $140 billion, And it... It's not drawn to scale. I mean, so what I'm talking about is when you look at the, uh, the, the color-filled area of this chart representing the receipts into Social Security and representing all the various um, receipts and outlays, it shows Social Security at $140 billion. That's, that's accurate. But then it shows the deficit 
at $240 billion, which is accurate for the month. That's right, folks. We ran a deficit of $240 billion for the month of May. Except the receipts into Social Security depicted in the chart twice the size of the deficit, even though the deficit is $100 billion more. It's like, think about a pie chart. And let's say you had three pieces of the pie, and one part of it was 66%, one part was 33 and the other part was 33 except the 66% is half the size of the 33% chunks of the pie, pieces of the pie. That's what this is, essentially. It, it's misleading. I believe it's intentional. This is math. This is objective. This is not subjective. This is objective. This is, these are dollar figures. $140 billion, the amount that went into Social Security. $116 billion went out in the month of May. That's objective. And then there was $72 billion that went to Medicare. So you, you can do the math there and see that the amount that came in for Social Security and Medicare lagged the amount that went out. Uh, by what? About $90 billion. It's upside down. No surprise there. But they depict the deficit <laughs> to in, in terms of size represented on the chart to be about half the size of the amount of money that came into Social Security and Medicare, except it's $100 billion more. It's like they're trying to de-emphasize and downplay the size of the deficit under this president. I'm not dreaming this. I'm looking at it, literally looking at it. Well, Stephen Moore found it, and he pointed it out. I mean, so I admit that's where I got the information from. It's like, this is kind of curious. Why are, why are they not being honest about that? Why are they not producing an accurate chart? What's up with that? What's the purpose of that? To make Joe look better? Oh, look, the deficit's really not that big. If you just look at it casually, it's, it's half the size of the amount that came into Social Security and Medicare. Except it's $100 billion more from a dollar value perspective. That's deception. I know you find that hard to believe that our government would be engaged in some sort of deception. This is the kind of crap members of Congress ought to be pointing out. This is wrong. Bring the Treasury Secretary in, old Janet Yellen. Let her answer the question. Explain this here, Miss Secretary, Madam Secretary. Why is this piece on the chart shown in a smaller form than this piece, which is actually smaller in terms of dollar value? I mean, a third grader can figure that out. Yeah, that's bigger than that one. Oh, but the numbers are smaller. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, so I, I did find the, um, the chart that predicts the presidency. This is kind of interesting. Um, Trump's odds are dropping, and DeSantis has made up some, some ground, according to this particular poll uh, that's just a head-to-head -head match. And, and by the way, these are betting odds. This is a site called Election Betting Odds. And so they're showing that Biden has a 38% chance of being elected, Trump 22.5%, 22 
DeSantis 15.5, Kennedy 5.6, and Newsom in fifth place, who hasn't even announced at 2.9. But these are, you know, you can place bets on this. You can wager on the outcome. And uh, this is the way the, the odds makers who bet on presidential elections, this is their handicap, <laughs> the 2024 election. Fascinating stuff. You know, quite a bit on the program, I think I've discussed that I believe we're, we're going to see the end of standardized testing as a requirement or even as a consideration for college admission. You know, you got this affirmative action ruling coming from the Supreme Court pretty soon. Um, 19 colleges and universities, it turns out. And the Supreme Court ruling on the constitutionality of affirmative action in admissions. Just want to clarify, that's the decision we're waiting on. Some 1,900 colleges and universities in this country have now made the SAT and ACT optional. Optional. And it's believed that that is in advance of this affirmative active uh, action admission policy decision. 1,900. That's 83% of all U.S. four-year schools. More than 8 of 10 schools now make the ACT and SAT optional. California eliminated it years ago, a few years ago. Harvard has, and numerous other Ivy League schools have completely eliminated. So is this just another step along the march to mediocrity? This is all about equity because it turns out minority minorities who take the test don't fare as well, don't score as well. Well, let's figure out a way to help them so that they score better, not change all the standards, not dilute the standards. That's not the solution, but that is the left solution to everything. The whole equity movement is about, well, let's just dilute the standards. We're coming right back with more. We've got Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist at Mississippi Blood Services. Good days with Gerard. Good for America. Good for fans of justice and truth. Good for us. Super Talk Mississippi. This is what we stand for. Welcome back, everyone. Middays. We're at Mississippi Blood Services today in Flowood, Mississippi, just off Lakeland Drive in Rankin County across the river. Joining us now, Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist with Mississippi Blood Services. Well, we need blood, right, Brittany? We do, especially in the summer months when everybody's on vacation. Uh, we've got a lot of exciting things happening today here at the Flowood Center as well as throughout the state. We're getting the food truck set up, right? We are. <laughs> Lloyd's Mobile Kitchen is here at the Flowood Main Center today from 11 to 5.30 p.m. Donors will receive a $10 food voucher that covers their meal, and it's also open to the public. So if any businesses nearby want to grab some lunch, please do. All right, kicking off today through the end of the month, June 30th, endless blood summer, right? Yes. It's a lot like the Santa's Big Giveaway that we had in December, where when you donate at any location, in any Mississippi Blood Service location, 
you can enter to win a list of prizes that can include uh, we've got a kayak, a guitar, tents, all your summer goodies, uh, but really high dollar items. So it's definitely worth donating during the 14th and to the end of the month. And so you donate and then complete an entry form to be eligible, right? Yes. You want to, if you have social media, post an image with the hashtag endless blood, and then you'll go on our website and enter to win and select the prize and what blood center you donated it at yeah and you got a, a quite the impressive array of, of possible prizes right what do we got yes um just like looking at the flyer here outdoor pizza oven coolers like yeti coolers um ray-bans surfboards um airpods all kinds of stuff bose headphones you know those are nice yeah but yeah, uh, all of them are listed on our website that where you can see a full list. Very cool. And this is World Blood Donor Day. Is that correct? Yes. June 14th. So thank you for being here with us on a big day like yeah. today where we ra raise awareness of the need for blood, especially during the summer months. Um, and that's why we have this food truck out here. Just really want to take care of our donors today. Yeah. So what is it about the summer months that makes it a little bit more difficult to get folks to come donate? Well, everyone's on about vacations, vacation. yeah. yeah, taking care of the kids. They're at home now. Um, so, yeah, just a number of things. And what do we, besides here at the main location in Flowood, what do we have going on across the state? Well, we have blood drives all across the state. We have uh, five today uh, that I'll talk about a little bit later. But if you go on msblood.com, you can search for blood drives near you, so please do that. Um, we have a prize wheel here at our center, um, Cleveland and Oxford centers, where we've got MBS items all around. So when you donate, you're getting a voucher for the food truck here at the main center. And also, you'll get to spin that prize wheel, and you could win $250 Visa gift cards. So. And we always need to point out, it's quick, it's painless, there's nothing to it. Nothing to it. Little stick, and you'll get a free snack. I mean, we're really taking care of y'all today. We we have great staff. Uh, the whole process takes about thirty minutes, and then you're out the door. Yeah, really, nothing to it. And uh, the weather looks like it's going to hold off, and we we've got a possibility of some difficult weather coming in later on. But throughout the rest of the day, while uh, you guys are open and, and ready to accept donations, no problem. It's sunshine in here in Flowood. It looks good right now, but yeah. the way the week's been, you never know. Yeah. Good thing is the food truck is parked under <laughs> our awning, so our donors do not yes, get wet. That's right. We have a breezeway and an awning. So, But come on out and see us for sure, folks. Donate some blood and, and stop by and say hello to Scary Gary and I. We're sitting right here. <laughs> you can't miss us right here in the front when you go uh, through the doors, and you got uh, plenty of your staff available today as well, right, to help yes, folks out. They're, we they're do. really nice. They're good to work with. Absolutely. We're excited to see y'all. So come by and see us. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, and I know this comes up a lot, and it's somewhat of a rhetorical question, but I think it bears repeating. People ask, well, what types do you need? The answer is? All types are needed. <laughs> y'all are all important. <laughs> and uh, the blood that is collected here is ultimately distributed out to the healthcare providers, right? The hospitals and so forth mm -hmm. who need it um, because people, when they get sick and they, they have operations and, and other ailments, they lose blood and they, and they need more blood to uh, replenish. And that's what you do here. 
Yes, and all the blood that's donated at Mississippi Blood Services is given to Mississippi patients. Okay, that's good to know. Yes. I, I wasn't aware of that. It stays in Mississippi. Yes. So when you come help us, you're helping your fellow Mississippians. Absolutely. That's the that's the main deal. I know that also this was something that was uh, always near and dear to the great late J.T. Williamson's heart because he received a lot of blood when he was sick. Uh, fighting cancer, and uh, he always spoke so highly and talked about how very valuable and important it was to him. And he always made the statement, you just can't imagine till you're, quote, on the other side of the bag. We'll never forget that. Never. About JT. All right. Well, we'll talk to you again in about an hour. Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist here at Mississippi Blood Services. We're stepping aside for Fox News, Super Talk News. Coming right back with a lot more talk as well, folks. Stay with us. Man of means by no means King of the road King of the road King of the road And now Another hour of the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Begin your transition now. Now on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back, everyone. Midday Super Talk Mississippi. We are at Mississippi Blood Services today in Flowood, Mississippi. We're trying to get folks out here to donate some blood. And we got the Lloyd's Mobile Kitchen setting up. We'll be here starting now at 11 o'clock to 5.30. That's uh, pretty cool. Good food, too, man. They got cheeseburger plate, pulled pork sandwich, wing plate, loaded nachos, loaded fries. And all the meals include fries and a drink. So come on out. Have you something good to eat. Give some blood. So, Rhino, after the show yesterday, I think it was after the show. I don't believe it was during the show. You were talking about Johns Hopkins. Maybe maybe it was during the show. I can't recall. It was after, yeah. How they have, yeah, how they've redefined lesbian. Can you tell us about that, please? Yeah, the new Johns Hopkins University definition, the inclusive definition of lesbian, is a non-man who loves non-men. <laughs> so what, what is the purpose of this? And they're getting slammed, by the way, by critics of this nonsense. It's there in their, in their inclusive language glossary. Yeah, they're catching it from both sides because it's silly to label people as non-men from the right's perspective. And from the left's perspective, from the feminist perspective, it is infuriating to have women associated with men in such a way because the feminists are the ones that have been fighting to remove the word men and man from woman and women. <laughs> Unbelievable. Where will this crap end? I don't think it does, right? I don't know that it does. I mean, it kind of has uh, to at some point. You think it does? I, I hope so, because maybe I'm weird, but I'd rather see Johns Hopkins concern themselves with treating sick people 
and teaching people how to treat sick people and cure disease. I th- sort of thought that's what it was all about. But they don't seem to think that it is. And it's the same in our government. Uh, you see so much focus on all of that stuff, on all this kind of stuff. And um, it, it just doesn't seem to be, in my view, uh, germane uh, to the objective, to the mission of the organization, uh, the various organizations. But they sure seem to put it front and center. Uh, it's no different than having this gigantic pride event at the White House on the White House lawn over the weekend, and whatever the heck her name is, Ramona or something, running around that with topless celebrating out there on the White House lawn. And uh, we did read a statement. Finally, the White House, I guess, sort of tacitly denounced it. But like we said yesterday. Guys, you created it. You, you are the catalyst for all this stuff. You're the reason all this stuff is going on, because you have, you've coddled it. You've promoted it. You've accommodated it. You've given it special privileges. And so anytime I hear them getting up there and saying, trans rights are human rights and all this sort of stuff, I, I just want to say, well, exactly what rights don't you have? You're, you're at the White House. You're you're on the um, on a stage adjacent to the White House in a secure area addressing your people, if you will, people like you that are strewn across the White House lawn. Tell me who's got privilege and who doesn't, and who has rights and who doesn't. Uh, you're crazy. You're crazy to think that you're not being availed and afforded the rights that the rest of us has. In fact, you have more, in my view. And that, that's where I think we've sort of junked the shark, is that we, we've gone from so-called equality to the, the new notion, the new orthodoxy of equity, which is equal outcomes, regardless of value provided, regardless of performance, regardless of, of merit. And that's when I think it, it goes awry. It's, it's clearly not about equality. No, in fact, it's about equity. I want what you got, but I don't want to go through the same effort that you did to achieve it. That's, that's where we are. But that's Johns Hopkins. Yet it is being blasted. I think it's um, J.T. Rowling. J.K. Is it J.T. or J.K.? J.K., pardon me. The, uh, the Harry Potter creator really gave him, and, and does it a lot, really. She goes after this kind of stuff regularly. And <laughs> it's because she's um, the feminist of... that I've been asking about when I ask, where are the feminists? Because all this yeah. trans-inclusive ideology that spits in the face of all <laughs> the work of feminists over generations, I've, I've always wondered, where are the feminists? Well... She's one of the few, and she catches hell for it. Yeah, she really does. You and you're right. The left just cannot stand her, but you have to, you have to give her kudos because she's she's a brave person that does is not afraid to speak her mind and honestly tell the truth. Well, she's got more money and, than the queen, so yeah, exactly. Uh, so it's not a not a financial thing, and doesn't have to concern herself with falling in line. She doesn't have to buy her woke insurance 
from a financial perspective. Uh, but uh, nonetheless, the, looking at this kind of stuff is just mind-boggling to me, how society has changed and how we're so wrapped up into all this stuff. You know, the New York Sun had a, had a great article yesterday. You said something about this. Uh, again, I can't remember. <laughs> we had so many conversations during the show, after the show. But the detransitioners now expressing their regrets for going through transition, for going through gender-affirming care, the statistics are rather startling, right? The number of folks that go through this as, a, as a, an adolescent or maybe even as a young adult and then subsequently uh, have regrets about it. That's what it was. You, you played for me a video of someone who was expressing their regrets and talking yeah, about a, how miserable their life is. There's a video that's gone kind of viral on social media of a trans male who was a woman who transitioned to be a man by their recollection eight years ago and they were crying in the video and complaining about how no one told them how cold and lonely life as a man can be that no one wants to just walk up and hug them that no one talks to them in the bathroom that people walk to the other side of the street when they approach on the sidewalk and that life as a man is much more lonely and they feel much more disposable than they ever did as a woman but because they lived part of their life as a woman they understand the depth of feelings that women feel and they're having to live as a man in the lonely cold world unbelievable so in the article, uh, and that person was crying, right? I mean, this person's crying about it. It's just totally miserable and completely, you could tell, regrets the decision made to essentially turn their life upside down by attempting to change themselves biologically, their, their gender. So it was Andrew Breitbart, you recall, who said, quote, politics is downstream from culture so true and so now you see conservatives boycotting bud light target other companies as a result of their their wokeness and their embracing of it and their woke advertising more than anything because most of us don't don't take the time to go out and really research what sorts of woke style policies these companies have adopted and have implemented in their in their personnel policies in their governance in their operations we're not going to do that but when they advertise like bud light did everybody sees it then you expose it you're likely to come across it somehow in just your everyday life you're probably not likely to really dig into the personnel policies and and um just other esg dei and all that sort of stuff uh, efforts that have been embraced, adopted, and implemented in the, the, a typical American corporation. But when it's advertised, and you're likely to run across it through one of the media that we all consume, you're probably going to see it. So that's when it really was called to attention, uh, how Bud Light has kind of changed, and they operate. I suspect that a lot of people don't realize that, um, uh, for example, uh, Home Depot. Home Depot is, if you take a look underneath the covers, Bank of America, 
Delta Airlines, all have implemented and adopted and embraced all sorts of DEI and ESG and woke policies. Most people aren't aware of that. Uh, but you got to dig a little bit to do it. But they're not advertising it. They're not making it obvious. We're stepping aside for a break at Mississippi Blood Services. We're coming right back. Life goes on for a little bitty while. The talk that keeps Mississippi talking. We're rolling. Hit it. Go. Play it. Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi live from Mississippi Blood Services on Lakeland Drive, just off of Lakeland Drive, Treetops Boulevard in Flowood, Mississippi. We need blood. That's why we are here. We're looking uh, for, what do they call it? The Endless Blood Summer. Endless, two words, blood summer. Starts today and extends through the end of the month, June 30th. Come on in and give some blood. And fill out the entry form to win a prize. Post a photo on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. And tag the Mississippi Blood Services page with the hashtag EndlessBlood. And win you a pretty nice prize. It's an impressive array of loot they got to give away if you just come on down here and give some blood. So this this the way this country has kind of... I guess bifurcated. I, I find it just to be a, a fascinating dichotomy, if you think about it, in the way we interpret and perceive all the various issues that that uh, we consume and, and encounter. And the indi- indictment yesterday is a is a glaring example of that. The the left sees it as it's such a sad day that our former president has been indicted and flouted the law and, you know, is just despicable and all that sort of stuff. Pay no attention to the president's crackhead son. Exactly. And then, of course, the right believes, as does the president, that this is political weaponization of the highest levels of government, of the institutions of government, in particular the justice systems of government, that's that's when it's really dangerous, uh, just from an integrity of government perspective, and a possible violation of our rights and just maintenance of law, the rule of law in this country. Just see it totally different, and it's like the left doesn't see that at all. Doesn't think there's anything to that. Oh no, Joe Biden wouldn't have his chief political opponent indicted on the same day that we get this bombshell release of information that's fairly damning and fairly convincing, in my view, that he was involved in a bribery scheme when he was the vice president, him and his family, and they enriched themselves from it. Oh, no, pay no attention to that. 
just incredible incredible and and so the same could be said from the perspective of all this this gender ideology stuff that's just sweeping the country every seems like just every element of society be it the public sector and government our education institutions but perhaps what disturbs me more than anything is the thrusting of all this gender stuff and sexual content on our children let them be children just let them live an innocent life of a child you only get to do it once there's plenty of time for them to grapple with the thorny sensitive issues of reality of life and society let them be children but no they're bound and determined to indoctrinate them into all this honestly Marxist ideology, which includes sexual ideology and a sexual orthodoxy, because they believe it will create good little obedient Marxist soldiers in the future that will con continue to confer power to them, because that's what they lust for more than anything. No doubt about that. So... To the left, you're fascist in that you're prohibiting, you're blocking free speech and free expression. And to the right, to those of us with, that are, who are clear-eyed in our analysis, no, you're wanting to expose kindergartners, preschoolers, to explicit pornographic sexual content. Do we not have any thresholds? Do we have just no declaration of what is appropriate and inappropriate, age-appropriate? Is that just not a thing? Is that just not a viable concept in this country? Well, then why don't we just let babies vote? I mean, where do we draw the line on this? But the state of Illinois has become the first state to penalize public libraries for, for removing books. This was just signed into law two days ago by goofy J.B. Pritzker. It requires libraries across the state of Illinois to adhere to Chicago-based American Library Association's Bill of Rights. Oh, I'm sure that's perfectly appropriate for children. Chicago-based. Worst schools in the country. While the ALA, American Library Association's standards, they require libraries to provide materials presenting all points of view on current and historical issues. You can't exclude any views because of an author's background or because of the explicit content uh, included therein. That is crazy. That is just totally crazy. So they say young people should be kept from learning about the realities of our world. Well, I agree with that. But define young. Hey, do we not think that there's anything? Is there nothing to the concept of age appropriateness? Is that just invalid? Seriously? I, I don't get that. Do we not have a duty as a society 
to just protect our kids from being exposed to this sort of lewd and vile and pornographic material and language? I guess not, according to the left. That's basically what they're saying. There's time for this. There, there are times in a person's life as they develop mentally and physically to be exposed to this sort of content. But it shouldn't just be, oh, no, we got to let it all hang out, literally and figuratively, regardless of age. It's because the right. vast majority of the Rainbow Warriors were abused as children, and that's why they're suffering from mental illnesses as adults. So they want to continue the vicious cycle of abusing children. Unbelievable. Well, the hell with them. I'm sick of them thrusting this on our children. I draw the line there. You want to go do your crap as an adult? I don't care. I'm fine with it. And I don't, I don't judge you. I don't like you more or less. I don't want you to be denied any rights of any other citizen in this country because of your sexual orientation or your sexual preference and all that sort of stuff. I don't. But when you start shoving it down kids' throats, I draw the line. All Boys Aren't Blue. This is a book, a memoir manifesto by LGBT activist George Johnson. That's been removed from the shelves in at least 15 states on the library shelves because there's an entire chapter that describes in detail the author's first sexual encounter. Okay, well, why has that got to be in school libraries and elementary schools? I'm not even sure it makes sense to be in high schools, honestly. Why has that got to be in the libraries? What, what value is that to a kid, to a student, a youngster, that should be learning skills that prepare them for work, to be a productive citizen? How does that help them? It doesn't. It helps the selfish author. They want to thrust that crap down the throats of kids. It feels like, Rhino, it's because they're trying to validate their depravity. Oh, yeah. It's exactly what it feels like. Of course, there's one book you've probably heard about, folks, Gender Queer, and it's a cartoon-style book. And it is often listed on books that are challenged by concerned parents. And, of course, the book has images, depictions of transgender sexual fantasies. Why is that necessary as part of an education in elementary school? Somebody explain that to me. What is the value of that? I, I, I guess I'm thinking maybe a little too logically and maybe a little too much on a limited view of what school should be. I just don't see the value of that. I don't see how that enhances. I don't see how that increases the quality of a K-12 education or better prepares the student for life after school, for life in the real world. I don't see it. Somebody help me out with that. We're coming right back with more here in the Element Well Studios at Mississippi Blood Services. We need blood today. We're out in Flowood, Mississippi. Come by and see us.
Middays with Gerard Gibbert on Super Talk Mississippi. The Element Well Studios relocated today to Mississippi Blood Services headquarters in Flowood, Mississippi. It's the endless blood summer. We need you to come on out and give blood June 14th today through the 30th. You can register to win uh, from an array of some really cool prizes. If you just come out, give some blood, post a photo on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and tag the Mississippi Blood Services page with the hashtag EndlessBlood. So, uh, you know, just thinking further about how we've become so polarized in the nation and how we perceive the exact same actions, events, words, pictures so differently in this country and I'm a bit disturbed about this focus on LGBTQ in our military and this is this is nothing new this has been going on a, a, a while but it seems like it's been amped up since Joe Biden has been in office and I don't know, if, folks, if you've seen this, but I'm, I'm looking, for example, at a tweet by the U.S. Air Force. US, here, here's what it says. June is hashtag Pride Month. The Department of the Air Force proudly recognizes and celebrates generations of LGBTQ plus service members and their contributions to our hashtag Air Force and hashtag Space Force. And... There's a, there's a graphic underneath the tweet, the words in the tweet, the body of it, and it's got a silhouette of an airman. I guess we still call them airmen. I don't know, Rhino. They still call it airmen? I'm or sure we, someone we, would prefer, prefer you say air people. <laughs> and, and it's the silhouette is of this airman saluting, and in the background, of course, the the stripes of the pride uh, group and then the background behind that the sort of typical featured sky clouds representing the air force of course and then the the air force seal united states air force seal to the left of that so if you can envision what we're talking about here the silhouette of an airman saluting celebrate pride month big words block letters the uh, lgbtq plus flag strikes behind that and then uh, the big background of the sky clouded sky the Air Force logo the Air Force seal and okay I'm, I'm okay with LGBTQ I plus people serving in the Air Force and I'm quite sure that there are good ones that um, perform up to standards I think that's great but to have a month to to call attention to them 
And then to have a tweet like this for this special, small group, demographic ilk, within the larger Air Force, just seems over the top to me. Why are they getting special attention? Why are they getting the special treatment, preferential treatment? That doesn't make sense to me. The Space Force, I don't think I sent this to you, Rhino, but the Space Force leader, Lieutenant General Deanna Burt, I'm going to send this to you, see if you can get it up for us, uh, maybe not if now, Rhino, in the next segment, but or, or later on in the program when we have a free segment, but she makes a whole speech about it. It's like a three-minute speech where she's just going on and on about how important this is to our military preparedness, this diversity, and uh, just you're just praising the community. And again, that's fine, except you're just calling attention to one small group. I thought the idea was to operate as one big unit, regardless of any of these physical attributes. I, I, I thought that was the, uh, the way you were supposed to function. I think we got time. Play it for us if you can, Rhino. Since January of this year, more than 400 anti-LGBTQ plus laws have been introduced at the state level. That number is rising and demonstrates a trend that could be dangerous for service members, their families, and the readiness of the force as a whole. When I look at potential candidates, say for squadron command, I strive to match the right person to the right job. I consider their job performance and relevant experience first. However, I also look at their personal circumstances and their family is also an important factor. It's a good match for a job does not feel safe being themselves and performing at their highest potential at a given location. Or if their family could be denied critical health care due to the laws in that state. I am compelled to consider a different candidate and perhaps less qualified. Those barriers are a threat to our readiness, and they have a direct correlation to the resiliency and well-being of our most important operational advantage, our people. The Department of Defense's success depends on getting the most from every person on the team. Each team member deserves, at a minimum, to be treated with respect and dignity and to serve in an environment which they can grow and thrive. The diverse and inclusive tapestry of the Department of Defense must continue to embrace the LGBTQ community. A 2022 poll showed that almost 20% of the people born between the years of 1997 and 2004 identifies LGBTQ+. That means without proper policies, messaging, and allies, we are potentially alienating 20% 20% of the key demographic and age group that we are looking for to recruit. And remember, the DOD is experiencing recruiting shortfalls across the entire enterprise. Diversity and inclusion are both force multipliers and warfighting imperatives that enable our competitive advantage against adversaries. We must be able to draw from the best and brightest talent across our nation to develop and retain a force comprised of backgrounds, experiences, and skill sets as diverse as the challenges we face as a nation. To get after this in the Space Force, for example, we ask each guardian to embody the guardian spirit. The Guardian Spirit is a collective representation of what it means to be a member of the United States Space Force. Those with the Guardian Spirit are principled public servants, possessing character beyond question. 
They are space-minded warfighters committed to mastering the profession of arms. Guardians are bold and collaborative problem solvers, exemplifying the courage to debate new ideas and continually challenge the status quo. They connect with teammates to experiment, fail, learn, adapt, and innovate no matter the challenge. The Guardian spirit says nothing about which bathroom they use or which gender or sex they are. So, so much to unpack there, but basically what the Lieutenant General is saying is that unless we force this diversity stuff, mainly in this context of uh, more LGBTQ people in our military, it can't function. It's not ready to fight a war. Can't solve problems. Can't be effective. And did you also catch that yeah, if I'm assigning someone to uh, a, a role and uh, I think about where they may be located, the location to serve in, um, in, that, in that assignment, that I've got to consider their family members to make sure that proper health care is available. And, of course, what she's talking about are states that have banned transgender surgery and puberty blockers, hormone treatment for minors. That's literally what she's talking about. That's what, so that's health care. But yet, Rhino, I know you researched some of this. There are a lot of folks lining up in the medical community that are saying, no, this stuff's bad for you. This could do harm to well, the body. The loony left loves to point to Europe as being a bastion for what we should strive to be, but it seems like more and more the countries in Europe are going, hold up, this is dumb to let kids decide they're going to make life-altering decisions and mutilate their bodies. Unbelievable. I agree. So we've got to make sure critical health care is there. We're, we're, it's a war fight. What she say? A war fighting imperative. It's an imperative that we have LGBTQ. I don't really care. When do we get back to, no, it doesn't matter what your sexual orientation is or your gender is. We just want the most qualified person for the job. When do we get back to that? It seems like that's just left the room. Thomas and Greenwood observed the same thing we did, Thomas, which is 20%. Did you catch that, folks? She said those born between 1997 and 2004 of people born between those years, 20%. 20%? That's one in five. That seemed awfully high to me. And 70% of those will identify as heterosexual and normal within six years. Unbelievable. I agree. But once again, they're saying, oh, yeah, we've, we've, got, to, we've got to embrace and adopt and recruit this because 20% of the possible recruits from that time period. Oh, my gosh. So much crazy there. We got to take a break right here, though, folks. The Yellow Well Studios at Mississippi Blood Services, Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialists, is on next. It's so awesome. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on, let's get on with the show. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome 
of middays, everyone. We are live in the Element Well Studios, relocated today at Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi. We welcome again Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist for Mississippi Blood Services. So the main thing is there, Brittany, that the food truck's getting set up out there. Yes, it's <laughs> set up and ready to go. We've had some donors take advantage of the $10 food voucher they received for their donation to use at Lloyd's Mobile Kitchen Food Truck today. I was just looking at the menu the cheeseburger plate wing plate pulled pork sandwich plate uh loaded what we got loaded nachos mm. nachos and loaded fries tea drinks and water and so forth and all the meals include fries and a drink uh it's pretty good food to it oh yeah it sounds delicious <laughs> um no complaints so y'all come and see us and get some a free meal for your donation it's also open to the public for purchase as well we'll They'll be here until 5.30 today. Absolutely. It is endless blood summer. It is, right? Yes. Uh, you could win big prizes if you donate to, starting today, June 14th through June 30th. Um, that You could win prizes that includes AirPods, an acoustic guitar, uh, an iPad, tent, uh, surfboard, all kinds of fun different summer essentials that are very high dollar um, all you have to do is donate and then enter to win on our website yeah see uh, different types of headphones that's really headsets those are really important oh and, uh, yes neat deals. ear pods and so forth cool stuff sunglasses a pup tent a telescope well, and a, really fire, cool. a pizza oven too like an outdoor <laughs> one i'm telling you they're really nice items and there's a full list on our website as well so please go check it out yeah and so all you have to do is come in and donate blood. You post a photo on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Tag the page, of course, Endless Blood, hashtag Endless Blood. Fill out the entry form online, and you're in the drawing, eligible to win one of these prizes. That's how it works, huh? Yes. All right. So for folks that have never donated before, tell them a little bit about the process, uh, what, what, what it entails. Well, you walk in the door, we check you in, uh, we do a health evaluation to make sure your blood pressure and iron are all where they need to be. Uh, we put you in the donor bed, and it takes about 10 minutes once you're in that bed for whole blood. So then after that, we'll put you in our canteen area, you can get some Oreos or some snacks and some Gatorade to rehydrate. You'll be there for about 10 minutes, and then you're out the door. Nothing to it. Little bitty stick, right? Little bitty stick. And we need all types. All types are needed, definitely, especially during these summer months, y'all. I know that everybody has vacations and got the kids at home, but please find time to donate at a blood drive or a center near you. What about uh, COVID vaccinations? Any sorts of rules uh, there around that? No. Okay. You can be vaccinated or unvaccinated. All right. What about wearing masks? We're not doing that, are we? Or are we? Um, we do not require them. It is okay. encouraged, however, if you are unvaccinated. Okay, gotcha. But uh, in general, it's a pretty simple process and a painless process, and they take good care of you, and you get some snacks, and you get a voucher to have some great food at Lloyd's Mobile Kitchen, and you get to enter 
um, yourself into the big drawing for one of these prizes. So that's what we're doing today. Yes, for World Blood Donor Day. Why not? <laughs> we're right. really trying to go all out for our donors. Um, we even have a prize wheel at our Flowood Main Center today uh, that has MBS items, uh -huh. like backpacks, lunch totes, and even a $250 visa on that wheel. Okay. Very cool. No excuse. Come on out. No Give excuse. some blood. So we're here in Flowood, and where else are we? Uh, Cleveland uh, Center and Oxford Center. They'll be open from 9 to 5 today. We also have blood drives across the state. We're at Capaya Bank in Hazelhurst from 11 to 3. Uh, Flats South Campus uh, from 11 to 3 as well. McAllister's Deli in Greenwood, same time frame. Natchez Nutrition. Again, same time frame, and uh, Simpson General Hospital, Slim Chicken in Columbus. Okay, so we we got uh, we got plenty of opportunities for folks all across the state, and there are people that are listening to us, of course, today, mm -hmm. or watching from all across the state, and we are here at the main location in Flowood off of Lakeland Drive, and it's uh, it's an easy drive out here, plenty of parking. You come in, they get you uh, taken care of. Um, on the cot, take a little blood, sit in the in the canteen, the snack bar there, have some snacks, but go out and have some food from Lloyd's Mobile Kitchen because we're going to give you a $10 voucher for that, right? Yes, it's a full meal. I mean, come on, a cheeseburger, a wing plate. What's your favorite flavor? I'm going to go with buffalo. You like that? Okay. Yeah. You like um, lemon, your lemon pepper guy? I like the honey like? barbecue. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll see which it's one. It's all good, though. <laughs> all right, folks. We're up against a break right here. It's top of the hour. That means Fox News, Super Talk News. We're at Mississippi Blood Services today. The sun is shining. And after this break, we've got Secretary of State Michael Watson calling in, going to talk about the uh, Supreme Court voting rights legislation or ruling. Pardon me. We're coming right back. Stay with us. And now, and now, the talk that keeps Mississippi talking. That's what I like to listen to. You're listening to Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Here on Super Talk Mississippi. back everyone midday super talk mississippi live from the element well studios we are entering the afternoon portion of the program on this hump day we've got secretary of state michael watson on the line with us good afternoon there mr secretary good morning my friend or afternoon whatever it is uh, how are you today i'm doing great uh, you traveling around today the great state of mississippi I am. I just got through speaking with uh, our friends at Girl State, uh, so many bright future leaders uh, here in Mississippi, and just encouraging them to stay home and uh, letting them know we want to be uh, their, their you know, uh, mentor type. Uh, let, yeah. let me help you make connections. Let me teach you, you know, the opportunities that are here in Mississippi that you may not know about. I'm really just trying to encourage our best and brightest to stay home and uh, just trying to make sure that they know we care about them and want them to be here in Mississippi. Uh, absolutely, yes, absolutely, touche. All right, so we've got um, we've got this 
August primary coming up, and we want folks to get registered, to get out and vote. Uh, give us the rundown on what the rules are there and the deadlines. Yeah, sure. So uh, registration is 30 days out uh, of the primary and then the general as well. But I want to make sure that people are clear here. You can always register to vote. You just have okay. to register 30 days prior to, to vote in that election. So don't ever think you can't register. You can always register to vote. You can download your form uh, off of the site there uh, at, our, at our website on the Internet. You can go to your circuit clerk's office, the municipal clerk's office, uh, the Medicaid office. There's a lot of different offices where you can find information. Really easy to register to vote in Mississippi. And one of the things that we're trying to do now, Gerard, is really just educate uh, Mississippians on the entire process. Whose job is what? You know, who's, who's supposed to be making sure that the voter rolls are clean? Uh, who helps with voter registration? Where do I go vote on election day? Uh, who are my state representatives and state senators? Uh, making sure that people are educated. And then I feel like once they get the education and they feel more comfortable with it, they're more likely to engage. So we're calling our Elections 101 campaigns. You'll be hearing us talk a lot about elections uh, the next few weeks here. Yeah. yeah, it's coming up. It's hard to believe, but we're we're swinging into uh, full-time campaign mode across the state, certainly in many of the more contentious races from a primary perspective, and then things will really get heated up as uh, we approach the general in November. And, and speaking of elections, wanted to ask you about the uh, – candidates financial reports what what are the deadlines on that what are the requirements there and and do you see that the candidates are complying with those requirements it seems like we're missing some you know so yesterday was uh, was our 48 hour day where we have to issue a report by statute uh, folks who failed to file their report and those folks who filed their report but they filed it after the initial deadline within the first 48 hours and uh, I got the list yesterday afternoon and started looking over it, and I was really shocked by the number of folks that were on there. So uh, we have the list uh, clearly on the website, easy to find that when the, the dates are that you have to file your campaign finance reports. And it's really important, Gerard, for folks to know where they can go find that. Uh, so if they go to our website and look at the campaign finance piece, you can look up any candidate you want uh, to see who's contributing to them, to see who's backing their efforts. Uh, and I just encourage folks, you know, sunshine is really, really important. So if you know who's yeah. on whose team and who's supporting who, uh, usually you can tell where that person's going to lean or stand when they come to uh, a policy decision. So to those who haven't filed or don't file timely, or essentially aren't adhering uh, to the rules here, are there consequences? Is it possible for them to be disqualified uh, from so, being on the ballot? How does that work? Yeah, so they've got a 10-day window. Uh, in which they can file that without consequences. And then once that 10-day hits, uh, it goes to the Ethics Commission, and, and it's, I believe it's $50 a day after that, up to $500. Okay. Uh, and then the, the piece about them not filing is one that I hope we can talk to our legislative uh, friends about uh, as far as the consequences of that. Again, uh, there are rules for a reason, and I hope the folks will follow those rules and, and make themselves aware uh, which goes back to our election 101 campaign. You know, we yeah. want to teach folks about the entire process and why it's important uh, that we have campaign finance. Why is it important that they have deadlines? They got to file that. Why, why is it important for me to even register to vote to participate in the process? So we're going to do the best we can to educate folks about the entire from A to Z process uh, about elections. 
Yeah, and you're so right. If folks want to know, okay, who's supporting these people? Who's funding their campaigns? They get it from your website in these financial reports. Anything under $200, right, in our state is not itemized. Is that correct? They're just grouped that's together. That's exactly right. On their campaign finance report, you'll see a little ledger there that says unitemized reports, and that's where that goes, uh, the contributions that are less than 200 Okay. But this is a good way for the voters to understand who's behind these candidates and who's financing their campaigns, especially if you're concerned about perhaps a candidate receiving a, a significant amount of their support from out of state. It's always a question, and I don't care if you're an R or a D. And look, people have friends all around the country. I get that. Sure. But when sure. you're receiving money from uh, folks that you know you may not completely agree with them on anything, then uh, that's going to tend to maybe uh, tip uh, someone's hat on where they're going to lean on on issues. And yeah. So it's important to know yeah. who is funding a campaign, who's driving that campaign. Right. Well, of course, the politicians will always say, but I'm not beholden to any of those people. But the bottom line, you know this, Mr. Secretary, as soon as they get elected, those people are knocking on their door. They're wanting something. Well, I'm not going to pick on anybody, but when you get $250,000 from someone, uh, it may, uh, may, may weigh a little bit on your decision-making process. Typically expect something in return. That's the way it works. Let's turn our attention uh, to this recent Supreme Court opinion. Uh, really, it's on, they, they call it on voting rights, but it has to do with uh, the districting, the gerrymandering, mainly in Alabama. It was a rule in Alabama's, Alabama's congressional maps. They said that it violated uh, the Voting Rights Act. The Democrats are licking their chops, thinking this may result in them picking up four or five seats, perhaps in other states. Might this affect the state of Mississippi, in your opinion? I don't know that it would have that effect on us. I think our, our delegation, the legislative delegation, did a great job of crafting uh, those districts. And, uh, you know, we got sued on that as well. So uh, yep. the litigious yep. society, I, I got I got sued again about a week or so ago. So we get sued all the time on issues oh, like gosh. that. But, uh, it was a very important decision, and I hope folks will kind of take the time to frame that up and understand how it is going to impact the rest of the country. Yeah. Uh, what did you think about the ruling in general? Do you think that uh, the Supreme Court got this right? I mean, I looked at Alabama, Mr. Secretary, and I looked at their map, and I looked at their dispersion by race. They're going to have to draw some crazy districts uh, to accommodate. Yeah, it is quite interesting when you, when you use the term gerrymandering. And, uh, you know, sometimes maybe it has to work in the opposite. <laughs> um, right, exactly. To, to, to reach the goals that you'd want, uh, or the court would say that that should be reached. So it's uh, it's interesting. I've not finished reading the entire opinion yet, so uh, I'll, I'll do that before I uh, publicly opine. But quite okay. an interesting uh, opinion from the court so far. Yeah, we had uh, law professor Christopher Green on the program earlier this week uh, discussing it, and he says that there's there's sort of conflicts, you know, to your point, like this whole term and concept of gerrymandering is is sort of in conflict with what they're wanting, they're, they're, they're squawking about, I guess, in the suit, but exactly what they're asking you to do to cure it. Yeah, exactly right. It's uh, it's reverse gerrymandering. You know, and look, at the end of the day, it's the toxicity in politics is driving so much of this, and I hate that. Yes. Uh, yes. When I was in the state senate, we went through redistricting, and, and I was given uh, more of the city of Moss Point, and people thought, well, man, they, they, they tried to hurt you there, and I thought, it just makes sense. You know, I'm five minutes yeah. from downtown Moss Point. I know what the, the community and the city needs. I see them at the grocery store and at church. Uh, I'm yeah. okay with that. So uh, we've we got to get away from this toxicity and uh, again, the gerrymandering, I understand the arguments, but when you've got a reverse gerrymander to, to 
to meet the law. There's something wrong with that. Yeah, uh, exactly. A uh, couple of minutes left here. What else is on your plate this summer as uh, we uh, approach the primary? Yeah, so we're, we're traveling a lot. We're talking to our, our clerks and our commissioners. Uh, again, you know, as I, as I told you, we, we traveled the whole state, met with all 82 circuit clerks and 410 elections commissioners. And building that team, uh, Gerard, is so important to us. And as we approach this election, uh, again, here in the primary and in the general, uh, just talking to our, our commissioners and our clerks, making sure that they've got what they need. Uh, we just are we're finalizing a contract for the, the software uh, for our elections systems. And I think that's going to save the state around 900000 almost a million dollars over four years. So getting all that stuff tidied down from the legislative uh, session that just passed, uh, making sure that things are in place like that. Uh, it's important. And, again, those relationships are so very helpful to get these things done yeah. in a timely fashion. Yeah, and we've got some great folks across the state that administer elections in the state of Mississippi. I think your office and uh, the clerks out in the counties do an outstanding job. And, of course, they need poll workers as well. They do. We've got a poll worker portal, and I encourage everybody, if you've not worked an election before, uh, it's your civic duty. Uh, come out and help make sure everybody wants clean elections. You know, to have yep. clean elections, you got to have good, educated poll workers who want to come out and serve. Uh, you get paid, but uh, a lot of folks say we just got a raise for, for our poll workers this past legislative session. But the important piece yep. is the duty, uh, the yep. service that you're providing for Mississippians and making sure that we have clean elections. You can't yep. have clean elections without good poll workers. Yeah, absolutely. Mr. Secretary, always good to talk to you, sir. Appreciate you coming on. You got it, my friend. Take care. We're coming right back with more here. We're at Mississippi Blood Services today. Please stay with us. Talk that keeps Mississippi talking. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Let's get on with it. On Super Talk Mississippi. back in the Element Well Studios at Mississippi Blood Services today. And we appreciate you joining us. But more importantly, come on out and give some blood and stop by and see Scary Gary here in the house along with me, right? The Super Talk Studios, the Element Well Studios, the table here set up uh, in the little entryway, a little notch in the building here. That's where we typically set up, right by the front doors. Come by and see us and give some blood. We did have a a question um, here, Rhino. I think it was, was it Moe's? Yeah. Okay, you sent it to him. Wanted to know where you could get the campaign, search for the campaign finance information to see the campaign finance reports filed by the candidates. It's a pretty easy to use tool there, Moe's. And anybody else that's interested, go to the Secretary of State website would be the first thing you would do. And go to what is it, Rhino Elections and Voting, I believe. Yeah, and then campaign finance and then scroll down to campaign finance search. Yeah, there's a there's a search tool that allows you to um specify the search type all 
or specific candidates or political action committees, initiative committees, uh, if you're looking for an entity specifically. Uh, looking for it, you can search by office, contribution, reports filed in prior years, and so forth. So it's a wealth of information about all the money that these candidates receive and spend on their campaigns. I mean, if you want to just look through the nearly 3,000 filings that are on the website, <laughs> you don't have to put anything in. You just hit search. Yeah. It'll give you the full list. <laughs> I did that just to see. And you're right. That's exactly what it does because you've not given any specific search criteria. So, therefore, you get it all is what you do. Campaign finance search, right? That's the link that takes you to the uh, the search tool. So it's pretty cool. It works well. I suggest you use it if you're interested in seeing who's giving money and how these candidates are spending their money and how much money they have, more importantly. Heard anything about elementary school teachers being taught and instructed to use gender-neutral pronouns at the elementary level? And that uh, is on the ceasefire text line i assume this individual we don't know their name but assume you're talking about in the state of mississippi also included the the city of corinth in the text i haven't personally heard any any such examples if um if that's the case we certainly would be interested in learning about that and knowing more about that we would um, and in fact we would invite anyone involved in those decisions to yes current is what so you're saying that the current uh, public school district is in fact instructing and requiring the use of gender neutral pronouns in, in the school setting uh, is that in the um, I guess in instruction are students required to use that as well uh, whenever they speak or write as well as part of their schoolwork. I'm curious, and if that's the case, I would invite someone from the district to come on and talk to us about that. We just shared the story. It was last week, Rhino. You see, you've probably seen it's getting traction uh, on the national level now, and it was a student, female student, at the University of Cincinnati that uh, was taking an online, I believe it was a gender studies class, and there was a project as part of the classwork to, I think, write a paper, if you will, and do some research on biological males competing in female sports. And this individual wrote this paper and used the words biological female in the paper, in the text, and received a zero from the instructor. This instructor is clearly an activist uh, and took offense to the to the use of biological female and in the paper. And so actually referred to and described this student as a turf trans exclusion exclusionary radical feminist. Now this term is something I'd never heard of. Turns out it's been around since 2008. Trans-exclusionary radical feminist. Yeah, but you back then seen... you were considered crazy if you used the term. Now it's been normalized. You're right. That's a, that's a good point. 
uh, all this stuff back then, I think, was kind of considered radical and just way out of touch. But now you're right. It's been normalized, and in fact, it doesn't take much for those who who um, are activists on behalf of the entire crazy gender ideology to affix that label to you. And I've seen a couple of interviews since then with the student that uh, got the zero in the paper, who, by the way, appealed it and did receive the proper grade. I don't know that she said what grade she got, but she said she felt like she was graded fairly after appealing it. Had to go appeal, I think, to the administration uh, about receiving this zero simply because she used the words biological female in the paper. Seems like it'd be kind of hard to write about that subject matter without using those words. I mean, that's really what it's all about. But that's how crazy I think things have gotten, and you're seeing it more and more. I saw a report of uh, the commencement exercises at Princeton, Ivy League school. The president of Princeton decided to, typically the presidents of universities will comment, will offer some remarks ahead of like a keynote speaker at a graduation ceremony, and did so and really aggravated lots of parents because it was a speech on wokeness. In, in basically condescending in, in tone and uh, was admonishing those who didn't agree with their, their woke ideology all about um, equity and, and crazy gender ideology and stuff like that. And, and lots of uh, parents wrote the school, wrote the, the president, and just expressed their their concerns and their disgruntledness over his remarks and thought they were totally inappropriate. Some of the students said that as well. And also, there's been some polls done. It's no secret here that the conservative students on campuses, and there there are some at Princeton as well, indicate that they kind of walk on eggshells. They're concerned about expressing their viewpoints or not participating, declining to participate in various events that support all of these crazy ideologies, that it could affect their grades. It shouldn't be that way. So, I, gosh, I thought colleges and universities were supposed to be the laboratory of free thought, free expression, and, and all ideas are considered and evaluated and put on the table. It seems like we've gone in the opposite direction. Yet the same people that would, would um, I, I guess punish someone like this student at Cincinnati for expressing her views and using biological female in her paper. These same people would tell those of us on the right that we're fascist. Well, no, that's fascism. Exactly what you did there. I mean, it's the ultimate form of hypocrisy and gaslighting with this turf crap and projection and just detraction. And you you know, you feel like, once again, Rhino, this this professor, and I've seen some photos of her, and it's predictable before you even saw her. It's like, yeah, that's probably what she's going to look like. Um, that they're just miserable. 
They're unhappy souls. Yep. I think that's what's that's what is at the root of all this. Why are you so unhappy? Why are you so miserable? And why are you on such a crusade to make everybody else miserable? Because they derive every single ounce of self worth they can muster externally. They don't have any genuine self-worth. It's all based on their worthiness to the woke cause. But have no fear. Not all hope is lost for the next generation. Did you see what happened in Massachusetts? No. What? There was a bit of an uprising at a middle school in Massachusetts where the students said, Enough is enough. We're sick and tired of this pride crap. Yes, great. Good. So they tore up the rainbow flag stickers they were given, and they started chanting, Our pronouns are USA! I love it. Uh, by the way, correction, biological women. Biological women. Those were the words she used. I said female. Same deal. Biological women. And uh, this is what the student, uh, her name is Olivia Krolzik, 20 years old. This was a gender studies class. Gender Studies in Pop Culture. That was actually the name of the class. And she used this exclusionary term. <laughs> Unbelievable. We're coming back with more. We got another segment. And then Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist at Mississippi Blood Services, will join us. Stay with us. Okay, is everybody ready? I'm ready. Ready here. Middays with Gerard Gibbert. On Super Talk Mississippi. Midday, Super Talk Mississippi. We're at Mississippi Blood Services today. We need blood. That's why we're here. It is the start of the endless blood summer. Come on by and give some blood. And then uh, register to win some of these fabulous prizes. It's pretty easy. All you have to do is donate blood June 14th through the 30th and post a photo on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter and tag the Mississippi Blood Services page with the hashtag EndlessBlood. Fill out an entry form, uh, submit that online, and you're eligible to go to win. Also, Sports Talk Remote is happening this Friday. They'll be at M Trade Park in Oxford for the 2023 Mississippi Bombers Summer Southeast Invite. It's uh, I think it's supposed to be Southeast Invitationals. It's one of the biggest and most prestigious softball tournaments in the country, and it's happening right here in Mississippi at M Trade Park in Oxford. 120 teams from 15 states will compete, and last year over 85 college softball coaches were in attendance to scout some of the best softball players in the country. So join the boys from Sports Talk Mississippi on Friday at M Trade Park in Oxford. So, you know, Greg and Newton points out that TV commercials have certainly 
gone woke. And I would agree with you, Greg, that you rarely see just, uh, I guess, what you would consider a, a more mainstream, legacy-type mainstream, traditional, two-parent, same uh, white, typically same race uh, family featured in commercials. Uh, usually it's a departure from that, right? It's, it's, um, it could be a lesbian or, or gay couple. You see that a lot. You see the uh, multiracial uh, couple, if couples are involved. It doesn't seem, however, to reflect society, the population of us, our society in terms of its composition. I think there should be if I were selling goods and services that um, I'm trying, where I'm trying to appeal to essentially a, a large swath of buyers without any concern for their, their race or their gender or their sexual preference, uh, then I, I would sort of gear my commercials accordingly where I had, would have an assortment of ads and, and, and um, commercials that feature a cross-section, not just focus on just one single demographic, if that's the idea. But that doesn't seem to be the case. It seems like they've, they've sort of gone across the line there, and it mostly features the more minority situations in our country, the actors in those commercials, both in print and in video. That does seem to be the case, and that... Seems a bit illogical from a perspective of what the purpose of advertising is. So Bud Light's a great example of that. They they used a spokesperson, featured someone in a commercial, a prominent commercial. They really didn't look or act or share the same values as the people who buy their product, for the most part. That was a dumb business move. Forget about all the uh, concepts of and the virtues of inclusivity and all that stuff. Just think about, hey, the purpose of advertising is to um, encourage people and hopefully attract people to buy your good or service. That's the purpose. That's the business purpose. And until our businesses and corporations get back to the main thing, which is producing a profit for your shareholders, not trying to appease and be social justice activists and, uh, in favor of and in some way to support and benefit sh stakeholders. That's the new term, stakeholders, which may or may not have any connection whatsoever financially or otherwise to the organization. That's counter to sensible common, uh, common sense business. It's just counter to it. Doesn't 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 line up with that. I was a little shocked at some comments, some statements from Mark Cuban on uh, the whole woke movement. He claims that it's good business. Mark Cuban, you may know, is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks. He's also featured as. Uh, one of the decision makers on Shark Tank and as an investor. He invented Broadcast.com, essentially invented the technology, devised it, created it, that allows 
the uh, ability to broadcast radio over the Internet. That was back in the 90s. I remember when that happened. Mark Cuban. He claims companies like Target, Bud Light, going woke is just, quote, good business. I was shocked at that. He, of course, is accompanied by Kevin O'Leary, Mr. Wonderful, they call him. There, he's a billionaire as well on Shark Tank. And O'Leary says that uh, what Target and Bud Light did were, were dumb, were stupid. It's not good business. That it clearly hurt their business. So I don't know where, where Cuban's coming from, although I saw him in an interview yesterday where he says he believes that these companies are going to recover and they're actually going to increase their sales and their profitability by embracing uh, this ideology. He said this dip in their stock price right now and this loss of value they've experienced since they started all this stuff, Target with their huge pride display and their bathing suits with pockets in them for transgender people, of course Bud Light with Dylan Mulvaney as a spokesperson, who is a a transgender, would describe themselves as a transgender female, but is really a biological male. He's just a flamboyant a, gay man that's addicted to attention. <laughs> that's a better way to describe it. I think that is a more accurate description. Cuban says that this dip was, quote, meaningless and unlikely due to individual stockholders taking action following the controversy. He said, first, a dip in market cap is meaningless. You have to realize that there aren't many individual owners of stocks. That's true. Almost all ownership is via funds and institutions, and most trading is quantitative. That's absolutely true. So it's not like the drop is because tens of thousands of individual holders sold their stocks. Yeah, but, Mark, it's because of the decline, the precipitous decline in sales as a result of these actions. And so investors, even institutional investors, have dumped stock and have downgraded the issue because they believe that Bud Light hurt themselves with this advertising campaign. So I, I think you're missing the mark there, honestly, Mark. And I respect the heck out of him. He's a brilliant guy and made a whole bunch of money. I think I may have shared before my claim to fame is that I went to a class, a week-long class with Mark in 1986 in Atlanta, long before he was a billionaire. He was in the same business I was in. He did a little better, needless to say, when he invented this technology that allows streaming of radio content across the Internet. And that, frankly, became the, the platform, the, the roadmap, the blueprint for all streaming via the Internet of all content. Pretty cool. Did you catch Jason Barrett on Gallo this morning? He said he was shocked at a meeting with business people recently. He asked how many supported Medicaid expansion. He said about 7 of 10 were for it. No, I think that's true, most said. I, I, I suspect it's actually probably higher than that. And, and I've said this before. If we got a ballot measure process reinstated in the state of Mississippi, that that would be a, um, a measure you would see placed on the ballot easily, and it would pass. I do believe that. Now, I, 
I can't explain um, other than it's it's just polls favorably. I don't know what you mean by Medicare. There is no such thing as Medicare expansion, Mose. Tell Cuba, and I'll take that bet on recovery in the next 24 months on the ceasefire tax line. You know, I'll only say this, that people do have short memories. They really do. And you got a whole new generation of people every day that are becoming of age to drink beer as an example and another generation that are attriting out and so things change man attitudes change i don't know if cubans right i don't know how long it will take but i wouldn't take that bet honestly if i were you jb i wouldn't make that bet jim in the delta said i heard some more talk about national digital currency on the radio this morning would you please revisit your thought about that on us i will tomorrow we're out uh, of time uh, as far as an open segment. We're coming right back uh, at Mississippi Blood Services with Brittany Mitchell. Stay with us. It's so awesome! Middays with Gerard Gibbert. Come on! Let's get on with the show! On Super Talk Mississippi. at Mississippi Blood Services in Flowood, Mississippi with Brittany Mitchell, donor resources specialist at Mississippi Blood Services. All right, Brittany, I'm seeing some folks come through here. I think they're giving blood. They must be listening to us out there or watching the show, doing something. They know we're out here at Mississippi Blood Services trying to get them in here to give blood. Yes, indeed. We have had some donors today, and we thank y'all. And so um, they get a $10 uh, voucher right to buy some food yes and tell today. us about that lloyd's mobile kitchen mm-hmm. it's uh, set up right uh, here in front of us yep <laughs> uh we they'll be here until 5 30 today uh, all the donors at our flowed main center will get that voucher that they can use for a meal uh you can get a cheeseburger a wing plate pulled pork sandwich yep. loaded nachos all kinds of good stuff really cool mm-hmm. and the other big thing we got is uh the eligibility right to win one of these great prizes if you come out and give blood and then post it on your social media with the hashtag endless blood because it is the endless blood summer kicks off today through the end of the month and they can register online filling out a form and posting their photo giving blood right with uh, the endless blood hashtag and tell us about these prizes. Looks like a pretty cool. Yes, stuff. yes. And this is open to all locations and all mobile drives the uh, the 14th through the 30th. So if you can't make it here, don't worry. Um, you need to go onto the website in order to uh, have a successful entry. You have to do that. But please also share on social media. That just helps your chances even more using that hashtag endless blood. But there is a full list on our website of prizes. Just a few to list. We have a tent. Uh, really nice items, by the way. Bose headphones, speakers, acoustic guitars, smokeless fire pits, uh, pizza ovens, all kinds of neat stuff. So it's worth 
it to donate and save lives and the potential of winning something nice like this. So. No doubt about it. But uh, when they come out here, here we, where we are in Flowood, though, they get Lloyd's Mobile Kitchen, which is really pretty cool. All right, so once again, the process, it's simple, it's easy, it's painless. They take good care of you. How long does it generally take? Generally, you'll be here for about 30 minutes. So you'll do your health evaluation, sit on the bed for about 10. The blood donation process in itself is only about 10 minutes. Painless, then you'll go over to the canteen area get a drink and uh, just chill for a second and maybe a snack and you're on your way out getting your voucher spinning the prize wheel today it has a $250 <laughs> visa on it uh, so we're just doing all kinds of fun stuff yeah, today really cool and they take good care of you oh yes and they're the doing something that is uh uh, making somebody healthy or possibly even saving their lives mm -hmm. and you also tell me all the blood stays that's donated in mississippi stays in mississippi mm -hmm. with mississippi blood services yeah. you're helping mississippi patients very important um, and i know again i'm going to ask you this question what type blood do we need all blood types, Gerard, you know this. <laughs> no, and I want to make sure everybody listening really gets that message. Because it always comes up. A lot of people say, yes. well, is there any particular type that's uh, in particular need? And the, and the answer is we always need all types. Yes, and that's part of this In Less Blood campaign is during the summer months, it's you know people are on vacation so yeah. they're busy so don't be too busy to donate blood and save lives we need you all yeah and the um the, it's it's very comfortable the the entire experience is is really uh easy again like we said it's painless and the folks are really nice too they take care of you oh, yeah. they're good Absolutely. folks and then you get a little snack when you're done yep get a free snack and today a free meal out there so definitely come in just so much good stuff going around so and you get the nutter butter cookies we still got that i like oreos bar. but yeah we, you have like those the oreos? Too. we have those too <laughs> so whatever your preference <laughs> <laughs> and then right out there to lloyd's mobile kitchen uh, i'm seeing some folks out there carrying around uh some food it looks good it it, it always smells good when you go out there too, so they're cooking all that stuff oh, yeah. that's pretty neat and the weather's holding off so no excuse there the weather should not deter you from coming out we're expecting some weather to move through the area later on but right now the sun's shining here and it's a little windy which is helping keep the humidity down here oh absolutely well, right? hey but it's cold in here so it is, you know. it's nice and comfortable in here it won't be a problem uh once you come in you do the little health evaluation nothing to that take your blood pressure check uh, the iron level in your blood as well make mm -hmm. sure you're good to go to to donate yeah and and the other thing that comes up that gets asked is about whether or not you have to be vaccinated if that's even an issue it's we not don't an care. issue no issue at all we just want to see bodies in the building making sure you're feeling healthy and well so you can make others healthy and well by saving lives and donating well, absolutely well that's a wrap here today Brittany. thanks for coming on and telling us about it and let's get people in here to donate blood at mississippi blood services folks we are out of time here today we're back in the element well studios again tomorrow we thank you so much for joining us come on out and give blood mississippi blood services it is world blood day but we're gone. We're coming back tomorrow. Until then, stay safe, and God bless everyone.
Mississippi Media Production.